Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So, there's a reason why they tell us not to read the final chapter of a book first, or why not to see the last 15 minutes of a movie first. It's the same reason why I almost never like to watch a movie a second time, unless it's White Christmas. <laughs> and the truth is, I don't even really like, I mean, even the books I really love, I don't naturally gravitate to reading them twice, which is difficult because C.S. Lewis once said, an unliterary man may be defined as one who reads books only once, <laughs> which is difficult. Miska is the exact opposite. I mean, she will read books over and over, and she'll watch shows over and over. When we first got married, and I realized, well, I don't know if it was first got married, but at some point early in our marriage, and she kept watching Friends over and over and over again, and I didn't, I didn't understand it, but because they were friends. And whenever I know how something is going to end, whenever I kind of know the plot line, for whatever reason, I just find it hard to really get engaged. But what's happening in the scripture readings today is we hear the end of the story first. In Advent, we're going to hear a lot from the prophets. Because the prophets are announcing the good news of what God is doing in the world. Now, the unsettling part is that often in Advent, we often hear from the prophets, and there's also words of judgment. Because this, there's a sobering reality to when you take God seriously and God in your life seriously, it ought to, as the scripture tells us this week, it ought to wake us up to something. We've talked actually a good bit over the past months about this word judgment and how we're really uneasy with it, many of us are, and for lots of reasons, some of them very understandable. But, in, but judgment in scripture literally means to judge and to say what is true about something. If there is no judgment, then we are all really ultimately lost because we have no sense of clarity about what is right and what is wrong, about what is just and what is unjust, about what is life and what is death. And so all throughout the prophets, and this shows up regularly in Advent readings, are these announcements of the coming of God and again, as we've talked over the past months, and I hope over years, that the God who is coming is the God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that God is immensely good. But that doesn't do away with this awakening, this alerting, this sense of gravity that this God is coming, and this God means business. And in Isaiah today, we read the end of the story first. The prophet Isaiah telling us where the world is heading, where all of us are heading. It is a yearning for what is to come. The scripture in Isaiah begins with, in the days to come. This is not something that we experience yet. It's a yearning. It's a looking forward. This is why we read this in Advent, because Advent is a season of a kind of holy ache. That there are days to come, there is a future that 
we hope for. There is a future in Christ that is promised, but it isn't here at the moment. And when Isaiah describes this future, it's in very grand terms. The mountain of the Lord's house will be on the highest of all the mountains. The city is on a hill. It's this brilliant city of light that shines over every valley. It calls to every weary traveler, every sojourner. This is the place Isaiah pictures where we want to be. This is not a place God is dragging us to. This is where our desire for life and goodness is manifested. Our desire for something that is true and deeply human and where the picture is that all of the nations of the earth are streaming into the mountain of God, climbing this high mountain where the brilliant light of God is shining over the world. And isn't that a beautiful picture? Can you even imagine a moment where all the nations of the earth are doing anything together? But all the nations of the earth, drawn by the brilliant light of God, are coming to the high mountain. There's all of these mythical tales of the desperate seeker climbing the mountain to reach the top where the sage is, the wise one, the one who can give direction. And this is precisely the picture that Isaiah paints, that God is illuminated and God's radiance is beaming out and all of the nations are streaming in. And that's where we're heading. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Do you hear this desire? Finally, reality has been broken open in such a way The power of love has been broken open in such a way. The brilliant light of God has been broken open in such a way that the nations are streaming in and they're asking God, teach us. Teach us your ways. Teach us your truth. Teach us your life. Heal us. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate among the peoples. In this moment, the way of love and the way of life that God has intended for his beloved people from the beginning is finally being manifested. And what is the result of this powerful word that God is teaching as all of the nations are streaming in. They beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The very tools of human violence, the very tools that we have used to kill one another, the very tools we've used to keep odds, keep one another at odds and at distance are all of a sudden tools of nurturing and life, and creativity, and wholeness, and provision. Those who killed one another are now feeding one another. The abusive ways of human power are turned into creative acts of care, and provision, and nourishment. There's a story in the the New York Times about Michael Martin. And in 2012, after Sandy Hook, he wanted to do something, and, and he was a Mennonite. I know we have a number of Mennonites in our church. And 
So he started a business called Raw Tools. And he went around to, to police stations that were doing buyback programs of weapons. And there were also, as people began to hear about him, people who had family members who committed suicide began to donate the weapons that their loved ones used to kill themselves. And they gave them to Michael Martin. Michael Martin is a blacksmith. And what Michael Martin began to do is he would gather all of these weapons together and he would fire up his tools and he would literally melt down the metal and he turned it into garden tools. There was a program that began, he's in the Springs, Colorado Springs, and there was a program where uh, for a Saturday he gathered up 114 weapons from local police buyback programs and, as, and on that Saturday inmates who were leaving prison were, he mentored them in how to do this art. And so inmates, as they were leaving the prison, were literally learning the skill of how to take weapons and turn them into garden tools. Now, that's a beautiful story. What's most beautiful about it is that it touches within us this deep longing that God Almighty and the Holy Spirit has placed there for the reality that God intends to create, which is precisely the reality that the prophet Isaiah tells us is coming. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation anymore. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, I think what's really important here is to let this truth come near and not keep it out there as if it's something that's only happening uh, with drones and uh, on battlefields far away. The picture that Isaiah is presenting is that this, this act of enmity, this act of opposition in human reality is dissolved by the power of God. And so all of the ways that we are at war with one another all the ways that we're at war in our own heart, all the ways that we feel this deep undoing, that God steps in and that no longer do we learn this way of living. And all of a sudden, in the power of God, a new way of being human happens. But the truth is, right that we don't live in this moment right now, do we? What's so beautiful about this imagery is that it, it awakens a longing in us that we pay little attention to because it seems so impossible. What Isaiah describes in the advent or the appearing of God is something that we aren't completely or at times it seems like hardly at all experiencing. There's an advent that was inaugurated with Jesus coming as a baby, but it stretches toward the final end of human history. So when the prophets are speaking of the coming of Christ, what they're, it seems, seeing collapsed into one thing, something that over time is stretched into multiple things. So they're talking about the coming of, of God in Jesus Christ, which is what we will be celebrating at Christmas but they also see the ultimate coming of God when Jesus comes again and heals all the nations and they all stream in together. And it seems the prophets see 
every time that God is appearing in a million ways, in every story, in every place on the earth, in every moment of human history. But here we are right now. And Jesus has come to us, and Jesus promises to come again, but we're in the middle of having to wait. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of war. And there's a lot of war among us. And there's a lot of war in our hearts. And there's a lot of heaviness and darkness. And many times we don't see the streaming light of God from the highest mountain so clearly that we just stream there and ask for God to teach us. It's a long walk. And in this long walk, it's really easy to forget the story that we're in. We forget the time that we're in. We forget the anticipation. We forget the hope. And so we hear Paul's words. You know what time it is. It is now the moment for you to wake from your sleep. It is the time to wake up. Paul says exactly the same thing that Isaiah says. At the very end of Isaiah's reading, this is what Isaiah said. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For Isaiah, they were looking ahead to when Jesus was going to come again. And they said, since it's promised, it's coming. Now, let's walk in the light of the Lord, even though we don't see it as clearly as we will one day see it. And now Paul says exactly the same thing. It may seem like night is all there is. But the night has lulled us to sleep. It's time to wake up. It's time to live in the actual story that we're in, where God is active, where God is appearing even now. Even as we lift our eyes to watch for God's ultimate advent on the horizon, even as we're watching and waiting, we're looking around us and we're getting glimpses of God's presence. But for many of us, we're just tired. Is anybody here just tired? (laughs) Some of us are just overwhelmed with sadness. Some of us can't even manage the word hope. Some of us are just looking for an escape. Many of us are asleep to our own soul. We're asleep to our marriage. We're asleep to our kids. We're asleep to the realities of the world around us. We're asleep amid all the lies that this sleeping world insists are true. We're asleep to the God who is appearing, who has appeared, who will appear. You know what time it is, Paul says, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The dark is near. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And Matthew says the same thing. Watch. Keep awake. We don't know when the final appearing will happen. But God is appearing all the time, so watch. Now, I don't know uh, 
how you hear the Matthew passage. Does anyone hear that and just get like a little scared? Um, did anybody grow up watching the, the film A Thief in the Night? Is that, was that, just, was that just me? Okay. Well, this is a tricky thing because we have to hold two things that are absolutely true together. One is that when God comes, it is the God of goodness and grace and light and healing. That's why it's good news. It's also true that when the light is brilliant and the fire of God's love burns bright, it will burn away those things that are false, those things that are damaging. It's required for our healing, but it, that doesn't mean that there isn't some trembling there. And so when the prophets and the apostles and the writers of the gospel, when they tell us to wake up because God is coming, this is a word of immense hope, but it's also a word that ought to make us sort of wake up, literally. And it's interesting how somehow this passage has gotten twisted in a way to say, um, well, what they were doing was marrying and having kids and uh, eating and growing food and as if there's something that's wrong. And that's not at all what Matthew's saying. Matthew's saying when we're doing this human work, living in the world, don't do it as if God isn't coming back. As you are marrying, as you are working, as you are caring for the world, as you are doing your vocation, as you are responding to God's call in your life, do it knowing that God is coming back and that all of this will be drawn up into God's good work. But it's true that one may be ready and another may not be ready. So be ready. Live in the light. So Advent is our time of waking up. Keep awake, for you do not know what hour Jesus is coming. Keep awake, for you do not know when God's final Advent is. Keep awake because you don't know when finally all the nations will see the goodness of the Lord and stream to his high mountain of healing. Keep awake because you don't know when God is going to show up in your story in a way that you don't imagine. Keep awake because in Christ, hope is always the true end. Keep awake because God has not forgotten. Keep awake because God has not gone absent. Keep awake because God is writing the story and God is appearing and God will appear. And we can know this is true and we can believe it and we can live it. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.